today we launch into a study that is a three-part series. And uh, we started the year uh, with the sermon title, with the sermon question for the year. The question was, when you look in the mirror, is that the person you imagined you'd be? If that's not who you imagined you'd be, what happened? In January, we talked about, first of all, what happened to me. Next month, we talked about what happened to your money. The next thing, we talked about what happened to your family. And this month, we talk about what happened to your children. Now, in, in the next month, we're going to take a, a, a few weeks, we're going to take a turn. And we're going to answer the question, what to do about what happened to you. And so, so far, all we've talked about is what happened. Now, I look forward to saying, let me tell you what to do about it. That starts next month. And in that series, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a hint. The first thing I'm going to talk, talk about for the whole month is, you ready? Rethink everything. Say that with me, please. Come on. Rethink everything. If you ever want to change your life, it starts with rethinking. Re reconsidering, putting it all on the table and reconsidering everything. I have this little, I have travel bags that I travel, I travel a lot, so I have these bags. And, um, and I, um, I have a small bag that I tend to carry. Um, I, just my, I carry with me around throughout the day. And it's my little um, utility bag. I'm like Batman. And when I want, I, I have to empty it all out. And I, at least once a week, because junk gets in there. I empty it all out, empty out all the pockets, and uh, it's a nice little Tumi bag. It's really, it's really great. And I like Tumi because Tumi has a lot of pockets. Um, my wife says I'm like a kangaroo. I like pockets. And so I empty all my bag out, and I look at it and decide what do I want to keep. It's always junk. I have to rethink everything in the bag. And then I restock the bag and say, OK, this is where I'm going to put this, I'm going to put that. And I try to organize everything. I have nice, nice little pouches. It's really cool. I like, I like to do that. And so it's my way. And it's, it's amazing how I, I tend to rethink everything, every now and then. I'm in the middle of that at home, with closets. You know, you look at a closet, rethink this. You know, I had to give up on books. It's like, get out, Temple. You're never going to have enough space. So now all my books are moving to digital. Everything has got to be digital. I don't hardly buy any books unless they are because I can't store them. I have no place for them. But in the digital world, I have plenty of space. And so I think I have 500 books on here. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> and I'll have more. I'm a book addict. I love it. And I just, I enjoy, I enjoy the, the learning process. I enjoy the whole, um, the whole process and what it does to me. But rethinking things is important, but that's not this series that's coming, okay? Let's talk today about children. If you'll look with me at Matthew chapter 18, and if you have sermon notes, you can uh, follow me along. And if you're at home or on demand, whichever way you're watching this, uh, there is on the beginning page a place where you can get sermon notes, and they're really cool. Let me tell you what I think is absolutely slamming. You can go to, uh, you can do it either two, one of two ways. You can go to Ricky Temple, my name is RICKYTemple.com, okay? Click on sermons, or go to the church website, overcomingbyfaith.org, and click on, um, uh, I think it's, um, what is it? It's on, it's video. Click on the video section. You click on the menu, you'll, you'll see the video section. Click in there. And I, this is so, I'm telling you, this is slamming. This is so cool. What you can do is it lists all the sermons uh, by month. So what happened to me, right? What happened to money, my money, all that's listed. You can click into one of those months, and you can see all the sermons with the sermon notes, and it's all free. Come on. 
Come on, people, let's slam. That's amazing. That, that, that is so cool. And what's amazing is 2014 is in there. You can go to, you can just scroll up and go down to the bottom, 2014, all 12 months, all the sermons, all the sermon notes, everything is there. And so you say, I'm going to go back and listen to the Blessable series. That's one of the books we're working on called Blessable. You can go back and listen to the whole thing. And so that's not only, let me not talk about last year, that was last year, but this year you can see it. So every month you'll see that there. It's just really cool. Your family and friends, people, you say, I heard that sermon. That's a really good one. You need to hear that one. I can forward it to you. I can link and send it to you and let them hear it for free. It's a way to spread the word. Evangelism is a push of a button nowadays. Put it on your Facebook page. If it's a sermon you really like, so I'm going to post this one. I want people to see it, hear it, feel it. And I think it's a way to help the word get out. So think about that, and that's just a new way to get the word out. Let me, if I can, get you look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. And this is going to be, uh, the, the goal of this sermon is to answer that question, what happened to uh, our children. Now, whenever we preach sermons, one of the things that happens is we have what we call these talk-throughs. It's a great tradition uh, with the staff. Prior to preaching, I have a team that I meet with, and we talk through the sermon. And in the talk-through, one of the questions that was asked really was important. They said, you know, it feels kind of like, if you're not careful, we're blaming the parents. And I, I said, well, I never intended for that to be the case. So um, I want to start with that question. And that might be just something we can just, just lay to rest at, at the beginning. Are parents always to blame for what happened to their children? Well, the answer is absolutely no, not all the time. Not all the time. Some things you do, your parents had nothing to do with. For example, how much of your children's behavior, though, if you were honest, is, though, a reflection of you? Some of it is you. Not all of it, but some of it. Some of it you learned at home. Now, we can also ask another question. How much of your children's behavior is from outside? Well, okay. Outside infection, I call it. Someone else taught you this. Your fa family never taught you to steal. Your family never taught you to lie. Your family never taught you. There were some things you did not learn at home, some things you did. And it's a reflection of your family, but some things you did not learn at home. And an example that would help everybody get it if I asked the question, how much of Adam and Eve's failure was God's fault? Adam and Eve failed, but was that God's fault? Genesis chapter 3 says no, no, they chose. They made a decision. And I really believe if you take the sermon and you back up off of it, the great thing that will happen to you is you'll see your role, their role, and you'll also come away with a value for children. I think a lot of us don't value children. How much do we value children in our culture? Less than we should. And so I want to read a text, Matthew 18, and I'm going to do this a little bit differently. There are three points I want to make, but before I read them, I want you to read through with me verse 1 of, of Matthew chapter 18, all the way to verse 7. And so you'll see them listed in your notes under 1, 2, 3. So follow me along with me just reading the verses, okay? Here it says, uh, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child. Now I want you to pause for a second. This is the huge question. Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them. Verse 2 again. Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself, Whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one child like this is my, uh, in my name, brother, receives me. Verse 6, whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. 
Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. Now, there are three things I wanted to simply say to you about this that will kind of put this in some context. And what the goal is, the goal is to show you the value of children. The first thing you learn is that when you read this is children have great long-term value. They're your greatest long-term model. Jesus was talking to them, and he says, if you, if you want to know who the greatest is, and that was a big question for them, who's the big shot, who's the greatest? They used to argue about this, the disciples did, the Bible said. And, and so Jesus says, let me show you who the greatest is, and it caused every jaw to drop. He brought children in. See, children or women were highly respected in this culture. And so for Jesus to bring children into the room and say, they are your greatest long-term and short-term models. You want to you be a, you want to see how to be successful long-term or short-term? Look at the kids. Be like them in attitude. And if you're not careful as an adult, you can lose that. Religious people in particular, we can become very arrogant without knowing it. I know God. I hear God. And if you get to the place that you're no longer teachable, it's very sad. I mean, that's exactly what happens. The third thing that I want you to notice is that many times children have been harmed by negative adults. Adults can have a very negative effect on children. And listen to how he words it in verse 6. He says, whoever causes one of these little ones to, 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 who believes in me to sin, and, and what, they, it, what he really wants you to see is it would be better for that person. It's, it's, it's such a strong sin. And he, he uses this hyperbole, but it's an exaggerated statement. It's not meant for you to literally go out and do this, but it's to make the point. If you offend, if you cause one of the little ones to stumble, you bring great hardship in your life. You hurt yourself when you hurt the children. When you take it upon yourself to do things that, that bring damage to them, it's really tragic for everybody. And I gave you a list of things, five things in particular. For example, pornography and all sensual material were created by adults. Any little kid that's stuck on the internet, Googling, looking around, and, and not even understanding why his body is reacting that way to those images, especially for men, it's poison. Guys, it will hurt you. Oh my goodness, it will reshape your sexuality, your mind, the way you view women, the way you view love. You want, I mean, being faithful will be hard for you. You just dig a hole for yourself. And that's not, that's not my study. That's the study of something called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity says that your brain can be shaped. And the things you do shape your brain. And the more you do them, the more your brain changes. The way you view, if you watch pornography, this is what your brain becomes, like this. It changes. You, do, you cannot even, you can't see it the same way. And you have a hard time figuring out why. It's because your brain once thought like this, but now it thinks like this. And it's all because of the way you choose the choices you've made. And I think it's really sad. It's really sad. I wish you could take that and throw it away. No, it's okay. Let it stay. Let it, you know, there's a point in your life when you say to yourself, listen, there's something powerful about realizing how I can create a world that can affect and offend everybody. Children did not create pornography. They did not. Adults did Secondly, all music, good and bad, is created by adults. The good words, the bad words, all that was created by us. Thirdly, drugs are manufactured and controlled by adults. Every kid that's on drugs is because of an adult. Adults organize the systems. Adults smuggle it in. Adults make the money. Adults. 
And all of them have, probably have kids. Isn't that amazing? It's really amazing. Families are run by adults who establish family cultures. Cultures that sometimes damage people, but it's run by adults. Now, you've got to be careful that you don't become the kind of adult who says, ah, it's not my issue. I don't know why these kids are like this. Really? What happened to our families? Well, sometimes it's because we taught them. Curse words were created and taught by adults. Curse words, don't turn yet, don't turn yet. Curse words were taught and trained by adults. Adults did it. Adults said it. Adults. So, Pastor, are you saying adults are to blame for everything? No. I'm just trying to start a conversation. I'm just trying to bring a balance to the thought process. I want you to take a step back for a moment and say, what part of this am I in, have, I, have I created? What part of this did I create? You send your kids to school, they have a hard time learning, so that's all the teacher's fault, right? Really? You're totally, you're totally free from that? Everything is because of them? They drop out of school, it's their fault? Well, you're trying to say it's my fault? I know it's painful. See, this is, no, I'm not saying it's all your fault. It could have been outside infection. It could have been, but here's the point. Think about what I'm saying. Think about for just a moment the role you play and then understand that adults can go through challenges too. Let me show you this. Adults are a question. And that's the second question, the next question I want to ask you. What happened to our adults? So it's not just children that have been damaged, it's adults that have been damaged. And, and it, adults can manifest some interesting attitudes. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 there's something that Jesus said that was profound. And I want to, before I, I read this, I, I want to show you a principle. And in order to show you this, I need you to, I need you, I need, I need some guys. So I'm going to need, you ready? I'm going to need you. I'm sorry. One, two, three. Yeah, come up here. I need three. I need four. I need uh, five. Uh, come on, give me six. Come on. Give me one. Do I have seven? You want to join me? Seven? Come on, seven guys. Come up here and join me, please. And... Uh, we're going to move this over, Mr. Darrell. And I want, to, I, want, I want you to see this because this is important. Adults can be damaged. You can line up, please, facing this way. Please, like military people. All right? All right? There you go, John. There you go. And I want you to see. Back up, Darrell. Two steps. There you go. Two, three, four, five, six. There you go. Keep going, buddy. There you go. What's going to happen is I want you to visualize this because I've done this before and I've illustrated it, but I want you to understand what happens when certain things are not present in families. When you ask what happened to the children, I want to show you what happened to the children. It starts with the adults. Generally what happens is this guy, he's the first generation. This is the first generation. And this guy needs this guy to catch him. So if he leans back just a little bit, you catch him just a little bit, not all the way. There you go. This guy, now if he's not there, there's a problem. Thank you. There's something about each person and each generation. They bring value. They teach something. They are the ones who pass down the baton. It all travels down the road to them. I have a pair of glasses in my hand. I want to show you something. What you're going to do is pass that to each guy in front of you. Pass it. Each guy gets a cop. Each guy gets it. Now, I want you to see how important that is. Every guy gets it. Every person. Every individual. And that's how he got it. But here's the problem. He may not know where that came from. He doesn't know where his anger came from. He doesn't know where his drug habit came from. He doesn't know where it started. A lot of things are passed down. Sexual abuse runs in families. 
It's the tradition that at a certain age, girls are abused. It's a tradition. If you go back and look at it, it didn't start. It didn't show up. It's not new. Grandparents know. They saw it in the uncle's face. No one ever cornered him. No one ever challenged him. Come here, boy. You're out of control. Your life's out of control. You may be a good guy, but you're, you're off track. There's nobody there to say anything. And here's what happens. You ready? Watch what happens. Slowly, you start snaking people out. Come stand over here for me, would you? You take out a guy. Now you got a gap. You got a gap here, people. What's going to happen if you take out a couple of more? You take this person out. You take that person out. Now you got a bigger gap, and you take you out for a second. And now you got this, these guys here, and you spread them out. And you spread them out a little bit, and you go up a little bit further. Now, watch this. If he falls, he lands. There's nobody to catch him. There's nobody to help with the bills. There's nobody to help with the education. There's nobody to encourage him. He falls down flat, and he ends up mad with everybody. That's why he's so angry. You've seen it in the men's face. You've seen it. You've seen the fire and the anger. No one's to pass anything. They can't reach to pass anything to anybody. You think this is not you? Who's your great-great-grandfather? What's his name? Who's your great-great-great-grandmama? What's their name? You got a picture of them? I want you to think about it for a second. We have families with huge gaps. Huge gaps. And you don't even know why you feel the way you feel, but you feel this way because of this. Thank you, gentlemen. God bless you. Give them all a big hand, would you please? A great guy. I want you to understand the power of that principle. I want you to understand that that's why the next thing I'm going to say is so true. Parents get frustrated. Adults are frustrated. They're frustrated because they don't know what in the world has happened. But if you don't watch your marriage, if you don't watch the temperament in your home, you'll create gaps in your kids' lives. You think it doesn't matter how good your marriage is? You think it doesn't matter that you fuss and fight all the time? You think it doesn't matter? Sure, it matters. You're passing something down. Here's what you do when you go out and you flirt with other women and your wife's around your little kids with you. They go, that's what daddy likes. So the girl acts that way. I want to be like my, well, I want to be what my daddy wants. I want to be what my daddy wants. Without even knowing it, you begin to develop attitudes and attributes. And what scares parents is sometimes they look at you and they go, I see that in me. I pass that to you. An appetite to hide your frustration in a drug. I pass that to you. You can't be faithful. I taught you to be a player. He's going to be a player when he grows up. Ain't you going to be a player? <laughs> people used to say that to Ricky. I used to say, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. He will not be. He will be a faithful man to his wife. That's what he will be. I rebuke that. He will not be a player. <laughs> you know what a player is? A man who got a bunch of babies you can't pay for. <laughs> so is a player at. I'm sorry. Anyway. Because it ain't just the men who play, ladies play too. They just more dignified with it. Come on, say amen. They can hide, they play. You know, you can't tell. <laughs> ladies are very skilled. Men, you just <laughs> But I'm telling you, it doesn't pay. And sometimes if you're not careful, you forget you pass that play spirit. And so by the time you get to this generation, nobody wants to be married because nobody trusts anybody. Nobody believes in marriage. Nobody believes in being faithful. 
One of the statements made a couple weeks ago when I had the open forum Q&A, it's really cool, we talked about this, and I said, I think it was the last sermon in the last, last, last month and I, in March, and I talked about uh, families, and I, I let you talk to me, and one of the persons said, I think in this service, I haven't seen a faithful man. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible to me that anybody would feel that way. It should not be a rare thing. It should be a common thing. And so, are you the missing link in your family? Are you the person who is frustrated because of the missing links? Let me share what Jesus said can happen in a family. This is important. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And Jesus, what, Jesus really targets, and I, I think, the adults, and he shows what happened to adults. Here's how he said it. People were bringing little children to Jesus, Mark chapter 10, verse 13, to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus saw this and he was indignant, angry. I cannot believe you guys have this attitude towards the future leaders. I cannot believe you have this attitude towards children. Notice the parents were frustrated, which makes the point. Adults can become frustrated with children. In this culture, believe me, they were considered very low on the scale of value. In some ways, they were valued highly, but in many ways, they were not. In many ways, it was a proud moment to have a son, a grandson, but in other ways, they were not valued, not the way Jesus thought they should be. Are you a frustrated person? Do you discipline because of anger? Are you the one who yells and says, be quiet? Are you, here's your, here's your statement, I'm too old for this. That's you? Too old. Too old. Too old for noise. Too old for children. Well, I'm sure God could say that about you if he chose to. <laughs> too old to keep preaching to you. Too old to keep reminding you. Been too many years. I've given you how many Bible stories? How many messages have you heard? How many songs have I sung to you about being faithful? It's amazing what we say. And we never step back and understand the power of living a frustrated life and creating, catch this now, with children, a vibe that says, you really bother me. It's just a tone. Get in here, out of here, I'm tired of you. It's sickness up. May God speak the same way to you. You say, no, that wouldn't be right, really. You are the God to them. To that four-year-old, to that two-year-old, you are a supreme being with powers they don't have. Which brings me to the next point that's important. Adults can use their power to hinder children. <laughs> Listen to this. He said, Mark chapter 10, verse 14, he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, let me start with the kingdom of God part. When you're using the term kingdom of God, think of a, a place that a king rules, a kingdom. And it's, it's a description of God's place of rule. People that come to God and say, I surrender my life to you, they become part of the kingdom. You willfully join this. Now, he ultimately owns everything anyway. But in the New Testament, there's a statement about this place called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And it's a bunch of people like you and I who've come and said, Lord, you are our king, we bow to you. And here's what he says. Your job is to make sure that the children 
are invited into that relationship with God, that's your job. You're not to hinder that. But if you're around mean Christians, mean church people who give off a vibe that they just, you just irritate you, and you just, your, their response is always out of frustration. You know, I've seen parents in public and the kids crying, you know, and just falling out. And then I've seen parents pop them and whop them around. And ah, you just say, I'm going to show out. You show out on me. I'm going to show out on you, you know. And I always say, boy, God, get them like that, Jesus. Do them the same way. Hallelujah. But I've seen other parents say, hey, 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 talk to me. What's the problem? What's the problem? Well, I was... I was, I, was, I was trying to ride a horsey. You promised me three times. You said, I'm going to ride the horsey. I stayed my money and everything, and, and now you tell me I ain't going to ride the horsey again. <laughs> and you're trying to rush where? And you're trying to do what? Let them ride the horsey. They're trying their own way. There's awkward. It's not right. It's not a perfect way, right? It's not a perfect way. It's, a, it's embarrassing, right? But stop with the embarrassment for a moment. Just pause. You embarrass God. Come on. Work with me, people. You know, pause for a minute. Look past the embarrassment. Talk to them. What is it? You're, what is it? What is it? What is it? I often tell the story of a young person in our church who had their child. They taught them sign language at one. It was really amazing. You can do that. Six months. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing what they do. I didn't know they could learn this. But they taught this kid sign language, and so the kid rarely cried, but would always sign, be signing all the time. And when the kid wanted certain things, they would sign for milk or sign for water or sign for more. This was more. I remember that one. And, and it was all kinds of signs. One sign for mama, one sign for daddy. If mama picked them up, they say, mama. They, they'd give the sign, I don't want you, I want that one. <laughs> yeah. And they learned that it worked, so they did it over and over again. Then they would create signs. Like, you know, iPad, <laughs> the thing that goes like this, or the thing that goes like this. Well, we kept this child at our house, and it was so profound. She's a big girl now, but she kept her, and she, we showed her, we had my wife, we had this big mouse in my bedroom, my wife, and he has his own chair. It's really cool, you see. <laughs> but uh, my wife likes Mickey Mouse, so you got, no wonder Ricky works there, right? Mm -hmm. Pray for us. <laughs> but anyway, so, so we showed her the mouse, and, and I've told this before, but she, she, later on, she did like this. And I didn't know what this was about. And she looked frustrated, like. <laughs> she just scared me. She, she, she was just mad. You know, like I said, well, I feel like a dummy. I said, baby, I don't know what you're saying. And she <laughs> like, and I asked her parents when they came, they said, well, do you have a Mickey Mouse? I said, ah, yeah, 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 got one. And she looked at me like, see, I told you, dummy. <laughs> I told you. A mouse. Here's what I learned from that experience. The child wasn't being bad. They were trying to communicate. And if all they know is crying, they do what works. You've not created another bridge for them. I was so stunned by that, it changed my view of children and what I define as bad. It defined my approach. My first approach should not be to get you, to yank you. What am I teaching you to do? Yank people who irritate you. Yell at them. You're against all corporate punishment. My kids would say, if he said that, that wouldn't be the truth. But I have learned. I've learned that all my methods weren't necessary. I've learned there were other ways to them all. 
I've learned that sometimes it was my adult frustration that had nothing to do with them. It was me worrying about looking like I was weak. And so I have to be careful that I don't forget that I can learn too, which brings me to the third point. Adults can become frustrated, adults can use their power improperly, and adults can also forget to be humble. That's why Jesus said in Mark 10, 15, again, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter in. He took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them, and he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and he did what? Bless them. He blessed them. He blessed them. You know, the final piece to this is something that really surprised me. I call it the secret sauce. All the things I've said to you are important, but I think that this next phase is important because it's about grandparents. Now, you know, Ricky's going to have a baby in about, you know, May 26th, so yay, going to have a granddaughter, praise the Lord, pretty cool. And, and I, you know, I, I know I'm a new guy, and so everybody's my first grandkid, so everybody's been prophesying to me, you're going to change. You're going to glow. Now, I, I, may, I may glow. I may cry. I may feel all that. And I'm sure there's a lot of emotion in it. I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I've been pastoring a long time. I've seen people go through it. I've not gone through it, so I'm new. But here's what's interesting to me. I did this thing, and it, people really got a kick out of it. I joined this association, right, and I, of scholars that study families. And I paid to join it right after I found out I was having a grandchild. And my wife said, you did what? I said, I, I'm, I joined an association to study grandfathers. You study yourself. I'm studying me. <laughs> and so everybody's got a kick out of it. Ah, who cares about your studies? You're going to drop all those books and forget everything. I bought every book I can on grandfathers, and there are not many, which is interesting. And I, I really tried to understand, only a couple of three, I think, and there's, there's, a, there's an interesting thing when I did the study, and I'm still in the middle of it, and I'm working on a project that, I, that will be long-term for a while. But here's, what, here's what's interesting. I've, become, I've come to understand the, the powerful impact of grandparents. They are now what I call the secret sauce. In that line of family members, grandparents are in that line. They are all grandparents. And grandparents are there for a reason. Now, there's a verse in Psalms uh, 145, verse 4, and I'm reading from, from the English Standard Version. Listen to what it says. One generation, this is chapter 145, Psalm 145, rather, in verse, verse, verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another. One generation shall commend your works to another. They'll pass down things from one generation to another. And shall declare your mighty act. Please see the power of who you are. You are a parent now, but you will become a grandparent. That, to me, is a profound gift. And if it's missing in a family, it's missing a secret sauce. Deuteronomy 4 and 9 is the first I've known since I was 19. I did, I, we studied this when I was in Bible college, and one of the great joys of my undergraduate work was it, it was in theology. And so... You know, in, in Bible college, you study things that have to do with the Bible. You know, the Bible is your main source of study. And so you go through all these wonderful research projects that teach you how to manage this book. And, and one of the classes was a class. It was called um, the Pentateuch. And another one, there were several Old Testament kind of classes. And, but in this class, I had to read Deuteronomy. 
And I ran across in 19, verse 4 and 9. And it has been for me a profound verse. This whole fourth chapter of Deuteronomy is profound. But here's what he says. Only take care and keep your soul diligently. Be diligent. Least you forget. If you're not diligent, if you don't try hard, you'll forget the things that your eyes have seen. And at least they depart from your heart all the days of your life. You'll forget everything you've learned if you're not careful. He says, make them known when you keep them now. Make them known to who? Your children's children. Your children and your children's children. Your children and your grand and your great grands. Your job as a parent is to make it known. You pass. You are the sauce. You are a secret sauce that passes down information. You teach. New Testament says in Titus chapter 2, verse 1. Now, I, I've read this for years. I never saw it like this. This is so profound. Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. The word doctrine means teaching. Make sure you teach sound information. You don't, get, you don't get information from people that don't know. Make sure what you believe is sound, is tested, it works. Here's what he said. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified. What is it be next? Self-controlled. What else? Sound in faith, in love, and in what? Steadfastness. Now, older women, likewise, are to be what first? Reverent in behavior. Now, pause for a second. Not slanderers. They're not so full of what happened to them in their life that when they talk, they talk down everything, every man, every city, every church, every preacher, everybody. They're not slanderers. Are slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands. Notice, they teach. This is a grandmother who trains her daughter, honey, here's how you love your husband. Get your hand off your hip, get your neck straight. Let's stop right now, okay? Those are not words you say if you want to stay married. That's not the approach you take. You don't use your, your sexuality as a weapon. You don't use that. You don't, this is the job of the woman, to, to have a place to go. A lot of younger women, boy, you're missing this. It's like this, this example. There's gaps. There's nobody to fall on. There's nobody to say, you know, our intimate life is a mess. You know, our finances are a mess. I, I'm a mess. And so, because there's nobody there, the secret sauce is missing from the, from, the, from, the, from the food. It just doesn't taste right. And you don't even know what to do about it. But sometimes we've so silenced grandmama. We've so silenced the voices around us. There's nobody there to tell us. And then he goes on and he says, older women, here's your job. And then he says, if you look with me, they are also to teach what is good to train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may, be, may not be reviled. So you have the older men, you have the older women, you have the responsibility to teach. That's the secret sauce. And when that's missing, you, you don't have the ability to manage the world you live in. And that's why, one of the reasons why I think it's out of control. 
You choose your own husband, you listen to nobody when you fall in love. You choose your own wife, you listen to nobody. You are totally, you are, you, I was talking about this with one of our staff during the break in the service. There's an individualism mindset. Individualism is a mindset. I have my family. It starts around 18. I, 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 my, mine, mine. And we've taught our kids. And I'm not against Disney. I love Disney. I think it's great, some of the good stuff. But if you're not careful, some of that always children knowing everything and, and the parents are dumb, like on you know, the peanuts thing with the dog. You know, the parents go, whoa, 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 whoa. And it's the little dog peanut. I'm not making fun of that. I think that's cute and wonderful. But I think if you're not careful, parents can always look goofy. The generation behind is mocked. You're slow. You guys don't know what you're doing. You're a bunch of dummies. We got cell phones. You didn't have a cell phone. You didn't text. <laughs> I remember back in the day, we got a bag phone. How many, how many had bag phones? I had one. Big old bag. I got a suitcase carrying around. We've so changed. We've lost our way. And we no longer see the value of those who are older who teach. Last thing it says, I think this, this is important for the secret sauce. You don't just pass the ball. You don't just teach. But what you do is you give an inheritance. This is, here's a verse. It's Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. There's something about what you give. There's a, there's a power. My mom didn't leave me all the money in the world, but she left me something great. She taught me how to make money. Taught me how to work. She gave me a work ethic. Your job is to back up for a moment as a person in this chain, whether you be a child, a parent, a grandparent, and see the value you bring. See the value of children and see your personal role. I close with an illustration. There was a gentleman who worked for me. His name was Dan Hicks when I worked in L.A. and I was pastoring both churches for the last for three years, for um, 2011 to about 2012, 13. And part of what was interesting, uh, Dan was, um, and you've seen Dan. Some of you've seen him if you, you were tracking with me during those years. Dan every Tuesday has Grandparent Day. All of his grandkids come to his house on Tuesday, and they spend the night. And they, all, they have this great plan and strategy. And I just look at Dan, he and his wife, and they have this very intentional, strategic plan to engage their grandchildren. It's not just feeling good. See, everybody's telling me, you're going to feel good. I say, OK, but after I feel good, what's going to happen? If I look at grandparents long term, feeling good is great. I'm going to cry. OK, that's great. But when I finish crying, and when I finish feeling good, am I going to become distant? Is it all going to be about grandmama and not me? And it can easily happen. Because here's what happens. Your children, you love them growing up, but here's right you, you have distanced yourself, and you're waiting for them to call you. Go call them. Ask them how they're doing. Here's a scary question. How is your money? Not anybody wants some. See, there you go. <laughs> I want you to understand, you're the secret sauce. If you're not willing to engage, you want to know what happened to your family? That's what happened to your family. Everybody became an individual. Individualism. It's all about me by myself. It's not about you and us. It's about me. And then if you're not careful, there's this usury thing that happens. I only call you when I need something. I only call you when there's a problem. What about let's change our family? 
What about let's really begin to bring those generations closer? You can't go back and undo what happened to you, but you can say going forward, we're going to stand a little bit closer. We're going to change the way we've lived. We're going to put that secret sauce back in the family and watch God bless us. Next week, I'm going to turn the page and talk about something that's pretty interesting. I want to talk about how godly parents raise ungodly children. And I want to give you some homework, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and 1 Samuel chapter 8. I want you to read that. That's not all I'm going to talk about, but those two chapters will get you jump-started. And so between now and next week, you'll be thinking with me. If you can't make it in person, stream in or watch it on demand. But I want you to join me as we study together how in the world families can get to where they are, and then I'm going to show you how to fix it. Did you learn something today? Yeah. Praise God. I'm glad you came. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I thank you for the study today. I thank you for our time together. I pray your blessing upon the message and upon what was said today. May people take this and apply it in their hearts and may it lift them to a new place. I pray, God, that the yokes would be broken, that minds would be lifted, visions would be lifted, hearts would be lifted. I pray, God, that you would give to them today a peace, a tranquility, for those who have not done their part, they feel like, Pastor, I was supposed to be the secret sauce, but I've not been the secret sauce. I've been the hot sauce. And I want to change. For single parents who feel like, well, Pastor, I've got gaps all over the place. Father, I pray they'd learn from my mom. She did her part. You can make up the gaps if people are willing. I pray, God, that their hearts and their minds would be lifted today blessed and strengthened. I want you to look through your head for a minute. I want to tell you something. I don't want to forget to tell the story real quick before I finish the prayer. My mom, when she, she raised me by herself all of her life, and my mom, um, they used to come to her, you know, they used to ask, Laura, you want to go out? And she said, nah. I used, to, I used to be behind the door listening. You know, because, you know, they want to take my mom out. I want to play games tonight or something. And she said, no, I'm hanging with Rick. We're going to play games. We got some stuff we're going to do. I said, ha, ha, ha. I did. I used to do that in the back of the door. I said, with your big head self, good. I was thrilled. I was thrilled that she didn't allow, she never allowed, listen, she didn't have guys staying over. She didn't have guys doing that. She did not have, she did not have me confused. I never, I never felt that I had to compete with some lover. Can I ask you why you do that? Why would a guy, why would anybody come in your life, man or woman, and make you compete? Why are you coming in here telling me about my kids like this? Tell me why. Now, I'm not saying your kids, I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying that, that maybe some observations he makes are not right. Because some things you can't see. But I want you to be clear. I'm the little kid. You get confused. I'm the little fellow. It's not right for you to let him come into your life and forgive me. It's not right for you to take him in the next room and I hear y'all. It ain't right. It ain't right to me. What you doing to me? What are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? Well, I got to have a life. Oh, you do? This is your life? This is the tree you're creating, the family you're creating. You're not thinking about me. See, I'm him. 
Look up here, I'm him, I'm the kid. The choices you make don't just affect you. You passed. Oh my God. You passed it. Your drug habit's not gonna stop with you. They say if your father goes to prison, you're three times more likely to go to prison. You pass it. Don't want this no police. Where you going, boy, with that spirit? Where you going with this attitude towards work? I ain't making no little bit of money. I got to make me a wage. I ain't working for a minimum wage. Okay, so we have nothing and we steal. That's a good life. Go to jail for 20 years for what? See, I'm on a prison tour right now, and I'm going to... I'm talking to thousands of prisoners, and it's, oh man, oh wow, men and women, bunch of pretty girls in jail because of a man. I love him. Yeah, the women, women take take back. You know, one of the biggest problems is now in prison is cell phones. Can you believe it? Cell phones. They're sneaking cell phones in prisons. You know who bring them? The girls. Walk up to the fence. Throw it over the fence, and then the police kick taking them to jail with their boyfriend. Now you in jail, so he can call you, right? <laughs> right? You're not thinking. You're not thinking. You're not, you're not thinking long term. It's the worst. Jail is the worst investment of your life. You lose years of value. If you made minimum wage, you could do better than sitting someplace for years, locked up for what? And can I ask you a question? What has drugs ever done for you? For real, long term, what kind of investment is that? What has this little pill done for you? Well, I can tell you what I seem to do to people. Separate them from their children. Rob them of their dignity. Shame them so that when they talk to people, you can look at their skin, you can look at their body, you can look at their life. And they look in the mirror, they go, oh my God, what happened to me? Slurred speech, can't think. Jesus, man, I'm telling you. Father, help us. Help us hear you today. Help us, help us hear you today. Help us leave this place touched and changed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Pastor, you know, I get it. You know, just pray for me. I'm at that place. I hear what you're saying. I need God in my life. And I don't, obviously am not, have not been walking with God. So with every head bowed, raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Who's saying that's me? Raise your hand. Come on, put them up high. Let me see.